Did you ever hear of someone throwing someone a softball? Just throw a little lob there and, and you hit it real easy. Preachers do that, you know that? We say things that are easy for you to amen, like God is good. <laughs> right? Sometimes it's a fastball and it, the point goes right past you, but I'm going to lob you a few, a few slow balls today just, uh, just to, you know, make it easy for you to say amen. Uh, you know, last week I, <clears throat> we were walking around in short sleeves saying, wow, can you believe this? <laughs> and uh, this week, not so much, right? The last week I reminded you that we can come unto Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, and I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Take my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the foundational verse passage for this series. And I began to talk to you about how that anxiety is when we try to understand how to do the work of God without the compensation of the Holy Spirit. Today I want to talk to you about do not be anxious because it is misplaced concern. And I'd like to read a passage that tells a story that is the least favorite story in the Bible for some of you folks. Least favorite. I have found over the years of my life that every time I read this story, the women get unhappy. Because they can identify with Martha, and Martha gets a gentle rebuke from the Lord. And Mary, who they all have someone like Mary in their life, and they have argued with Mary and fretted about Mary, and yet Mary gets the endorsement. So, ladies, I'm sorry, but let's try and learn a little bit from this story. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet. And some of you ladies would add in there, Mary who lazily <laughs> sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his teaching. And Martha is frustrated with this. Says, But Martha was distracted. The word can also be translated troubled, anxious, worried, but Martha was distracted with much serving. You guys doing all right so far? And she went up to Jesus, him, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? <coughs> tell the lazy person, <laughs> tell her then to help me. But, oh no. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Now, how many ladies are a little bit upset right now? <laughs> Can you imagine Jesus shows up at Martha's house unannounced, and I assume since they were traveling together, at least 12 other full-grown men just showed up for dinner. And Martha is in a position now where she's got 13 full-grown men, and she's got to figure out how to feed them. I can see the women are scowling already. How dare you do that? How dare you uh, put me in that position? Can I, ladies, can I tell you something about guys? If you have to have, ever have to feed guys, 
don't worry what you feed them as long as there's a lot of it. It doesn't matter. They'll they'll eat any anything, you know. Well, I've times I've had like college uh, guys over the house, and she says, "What do you think I should pair? I don't know, just a lot of it, you know, just you know, because they they have these huge appetites. So, ladies, don't worry that it looks all good and tastes all good. Just go for quantity, not quality, right? So, a lot of bread in there, it'll fill them up. But anyway, there were 13 dinner guests, unexpected. Martha runs to the phone, calls Pizza Hut, and they've already closed. <coughs> She's got a real problem on her hands. And it is, and ladies, can you imagine this? It has made her anxious. See? Mary, you are anxious and troubled. And you ladies say, who wouldn't be, right? What in the world? I am in a bind here because I've got 13 grown men that I've got to figure out how to be a good hostess to them. Let me share something with you. Eternal moments. I want to talk to you about eternal moments. Eternal moments take place when God takes a moment of our time and does something to impact eternity. He takes a few moments of our time, maybe an evening of our time, maybe a minute of our time, maybe an hour of our time, which as it's fleeting by, but he seizes it and he does something eternal with it. And if we're not careful, we will allow the anxiety over some earthly schedule to deprive us from participating in that eternal moment. See, that was a hard fastball. You didn't say amen. I paused for the amen and you missed it. A swing and a miss. I should be using football metaphors, shouldn't I? The punt got blocked just now from you guys. We must be careful or we will miss eternal moments. Are you listening? Because we are stressed about some temporal issue. We must be careful or we will exclude ourselves from an eternal moment because we are stressed and anxious over a temporal moment. Imagine this. One last component that God wants to put in my life and in your life as we begin this new year. God, help me take advantage of eternal moments. God, help me participate in eternal moments. It defies logic that any person, any woman, would ever be able to not be stressed out in this situation. But somehow Jesus said, you shouldn't be stressed. Spoken like a typical man, isn't it? You shouldn't be stressed. But what if we don't eat? Then we won't eat. What if everybody's hungry? Then they'll be hungry. They'll go to bed hungry. It won't be the end of the world. You don't die from missing a meal. Though you feel like it, don't you? To put this in a modern situation, is there a possibility that our spiritual lives are colliding with the demands of our material lives? Again, a fastball. Could it be that our, the demands of our, or the, the needs of our spiritual life are colliding with the demands of our material life and we're not getting what we need to get from Jesus because everything is crowding it out. 
Some of you don't know that there is 11th commandment. You know the first ten commandments, the eleventh commandment. I added this in there some years ago. <clears throat> thou shalt not whine. Thou shalt not whine. And I'm going to break that commandment. I'm going to whine. Um, I can whine with the best of them. In fact, I wonder sometimes if it's just a spiritual gift that I have of whining, you know. In fact, I was such a good whiner in college, I was the designated whiner. I was effective at whining. And so often when the class would gather in, especially in the tougher classes, like the language classes, guys would come by my desk and say, Jeff, do something to get our workload down a little bit. Me? Yeah, you're great at this. So I remember one day I was in rare form. I was whining to a professor. And I said, I want you to understand something here. He said, you got to get in that voice. Almost, yeah, I need you to understand. I'm a husband, and I'm a father, and I'm a student, and I'm a pastor, and all this work you're giving us to do, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm all stressed out, and, and he's listening to me, and the rest of the class is, is, is sort of swooning in sympathy. Yeah, yeah, oh my gosh. I just don't feel like I'm doing very good at any of them because, you know, all this workload you've got, I don't know. And the professor walked up and he said, Mr. Davidson, I want to tell you something. I said, what's that? He said, uh, there's enough time in every day to do God's will for that day. If it's not God's will for you to get this assignment done, just take a hit in your grade and do what you have to do. But there is enough time in every day to do God's will for that day. A few years have come and go since that class. I never forgot that. Now, a lot of times God's will gets crowded out of my day, not because there wasn't enough time, but because there were too many other things invading my day. That's a softball. Come on. All right. And so we've got to stop today and learn a lesson from Martha. We have to change misplaced concerns. I, I get it, Martha. I get it. I can fret over details with the best of you. I can think about what might go wrong with the best of you. But correcting misplaced concern, number one, let me give you something that will really help you in this new year. Understand that rest is found in nearness to Jesus. Rest is found in nearness to Jesus. Mary was at Jesus' feet, and Jesus said, it'll pay off. He said to Martha, what she's doing will pay off. We may not eat tonight, but what she's doing is going to impact eternity. And so she chose the right thing. Man, that's tough, isn't it? Because you got all this pressure of a dinner, a banquet to prepare. And he said, no, Martha, just, just sit down at my feet like Mary is. Just relax. The guys can wander through the cupboards and get some bread or whatever's there. But right now, the best thing you could do would just be to join Mary at my feet 
There is where you're going to find rest. He said, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will what? I will give you rest. Come unto me and I will give you. He didn't say, serve me and I will give you rest. He said, come unto me and I will give you rest. Tell me if this is resonating with you. You came out on this snowy, took your life in your hands to get here. We want this to pay off. Some of you are looking like this is a rough road <laughs> for you even now. But So Mary was at Jesus' feet. You know what pauses like this indicate? <laughs> I'm considering getting ornery. And, you know, on this shoulder, there's a voice saying, go for it, go for it. On this shoulder, said, no, be nice. So which one do you think I'm going to listen to? Go for it, yeah. You know, one of the toughest kinds of pastoral counseling that exists in, in a pastor's life is counseling for despondency. Um. We, we develop programs for marriage counseling that are amazingly effective. Uh, we develop uh, counseling for people to help find the will of God for the life that are amazingly. But the one thing I always look at and I go, man, I, I, don't, I don't have any, I shouldn't say any, but I don't feel real effective at taking someone who's chronically depressed and helping them find their way back to happiness. It's, it's such a, an entrenched way of thinking, an entrenched way of living. And sometimes it's chemically uh, created. So, you know, it, there, there's those issues as well. But here's something I've found that most people who are really struggling don't want to hear, but they desperately need to hear. See how I'm getting on, Ray? And here it is. No, nah, never mind. I'll just go on. You really want to hear it, don't you? Yeah. Okay, all right. We need to hear it. Here it is. Most of our problems are caused by our distance from Jesus. Most of our problems are caused by our distance from Jesus. We haven't spent enough time at his feet. Strike three. And here's the thing. Sometimes I feel like, ah, I don't want to pick on you, but I, I really must. The anointing says so. Here's the thing I feel like I'm constantly asked to do as a pastor. I, people are, I, this is how I'm interpreting it. I want you to help me relieve the suffering of being distant from Jesus without me closing the distance between me and Jesus. See, me walking a distance from the Lord is causing me all kinds of grief and dysfunction and brokenness and sadness and, and all kinds of stuff. I still want to live there. I just don't want to feel so bad. You know? I, I want to date people that don't know God, that don't love God, but I want to have an amazing Christian marriage. Well, let's see how that works out. 
I want to have one foot in the world kind of doing the stuff I know God's not happy with, but at the same time, I don't, I don't want to have to, you know, I don't want the, that profound sense of emptiness in my soul. I don't want that anymore. And friends, I, we cannot solve the problems caused by distance between ourselves and Jesus without closing the distance between ourselves and Jesus. Come on. Yeah, you got that one. Knocked out of the park. Well, I wouldn't say that. Maybe a dribbling bunt, you know. To find rest, we must come to Him. Number two, protect the big stuff from the small stuff. Protect the big stuff from the small stuff. You've got 13 men. They've walked all day. They're hungry. <laughs> Jesus said, oh, that's little stuff. See why all the women get offended at this story? They, right now, for the first time in their life, they're saying, Jesus, I don't believe you. you know, I just, I'm not buying it. But he said, Martha, feeding us is the small stuff. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. If there's nothing served tonight, don't worry about it. And all the guys said, now let's not get carried away about this, you know. know. What happens is how often do you have Jesus in your living room? How often do you have the best teacher in the history of mankind sitting in your living room, Martha? Is that ever going to happen again? I don't know. You better take advantage of this moment. It's an eternal moment. Go in and sit at his feet. Let everybody fend for themselves. What else on your schedule can compete with Jesus? Have you realized yet that your to-do list can become a tyrannical master that enslaves you and drives out all the God moments from your life because you've got so much stuff to get done that there's no time for God to have those God moments with you, those eternal moments with you. It is in that situation that things are happening that God wants to do something amazing. An undisciplined schedule, a discipline that is not spiritually prioritized, a schedule that is not spiritually and biblically prioritized, basically takes all the God moments, all the eternal moments, and pushes them out of your life. Protect the big stuff from the small stuff. And it would be amazing what God calls small stuff. There's a passage, well, I've done this a little bit lately, where you get to be the counselor and I get to be the patient. You're my therapist. Um... There is this passage in 1 Corinthians 3 that always kind of sits wrong with me. I read it and it troubles me. It says something like this, that some people will be saved, yet all the work of their life will be burned up. And, and some people, they will enter into the presence of God and they'll have Gold and silver and precious stones to lay at his feet. I'm sure those are symbolic of all the eternal moments of their life. Gold and silver and precious stones. And he said, some people will come into heaven. Yes, they'll come into heaven. 
And they'll lay the benefits of their life, the trophies of their life at God's feet, and it'll be wood and straw and, and, and stubble. And he said, when the fires are turned on to test it, the fires of eternity, he said, it all just poof, it's gone. Indicating that some of us are going to show up in heaven with nothing to show for our, eternal, our, for our earthly life. I don't want to be that, do you? I don't want to be that. But an undisciplined schedule will create that situation where I mark off a few decades, go into eternity, and the Lord says, so what did you accomplish? I don't know, but it was a pretty good ride. Protect the big stuff from the small stuff. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. Number three, crowd out things that crowd out Jesus. Crowd out things that crowd out Jesus. I'm going to ask you a, a question, a rhetorical question. Are you ready? This is a question you answer in your own mind. When was the last time you didn't get to do something you planned to do because Jesus took over your schedule and took it in another direction? When's the last time you had to reformat your day because you were going into the presence of God and you just couldn't, you couldn't stop? So I, I know I've been here as long. I, ha, I had scheduled 10 minutes with Jesus, but he wants more. <laughs> and he's talking to me and he's dealing with me. I'm going to walk out there a little further on that limb, and I'm going to tell you, I think that stuff should be happening frequently. I think you should go into the presence of God saying, now, you know, in a little while I've got to go do this, but right now I'm going to spend some time with Jesus. And then later as you're spending time with Jesus, you go, well, I'm not going to get that done today. Get that off the schedule. <laughs> you know, and you just, right? <laughs> right? When's the last time? And I say, if those things are not happening, we've got to understand that the small things are crowding out the big things. The time with Jesus need, needs to be the thing that crowds out other stuff. Amen. I want to tell you something, friends. I believe this with, with all my heart. This is a critical, critical thing I want to share with you. The structure of our lives, how we structure it, will determine the depth of our spiritual life. The structure of our natural life will determine the depth of our spiritual life. What if God simply can't take us deeper unless He gets more of our schedule? What if? What if the Lord says, I simply can't do what I need to do in you without spending more time with you? Hello? I mean, I'm just serving up softballs all day long. Come on, guys. You know, I simply can't get you where I want to get you if, if I don't have more of your time, more of your attention. Isn't this a, isn't this a great time for resolutions? I'm going to challenge you to make a resolution today before God. Now, God knew that it was going to blizzard. Have you ever noticed that God always plans blizzards for weekends? He never makes it easy on us. Did you know they're already calling for another one next week? Bless his name. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm going to give you a challenge as you start. And, and I'm saying 
it, I try to always approach these where I know the numbers are going to be down. I always say, God, you knew who was going to be here weeks ago when I was writing this sermon. <clears throat> For those of you who really want to apply this message in a way that is transforming, I'm going to ask you to commit to God. If you're not committing to me, it might help you if you come up to me after church and say, I'm, I'm accepting your challenge. But I'm going to challenge you that for the next 21 days that you're going to say, Lord, before I close my eyes tonight, I will have learned something new about you. For the next 21 days, I will learn every single day something new about you. And I suspect that if you'll take this challenge, and you'll say, today, i got to figure out a way to learn something new about my Savior, about my Lord, about my Creator. After 21 days, you're going to be addicted. You're going to be addicted. Because He's so awesome that the more you know about Him, the more you want to know about Him. The more time you spend with Him, the more time you want to spend with Him. So just in your own mind... Accept or reject that challenge, and uh, if you reject it, we'll have an altar call at the end of the service. And number four, seek God's approval over human affirmation. Imagine for a moment that 13 hungry men left Martha's house still hungry. I'm telling you, ladies, well, they're just steaming right now. Um, it's even worse because in the culture, it was a culture of hospitality. If this got out, Martha would have created a cultural scandal and brought shame on herself. You mean guests came into your house and you didn't feed them? The whole town would be going, oh, Martha, Martha, goodness, did you hear? Martha had guests and didn't feed them. Oh, my Lord, what's right? You know, it, it would have been a scandal. But also imagine that Jesus left Martha's house without even getting her attention. And which is the greater loss? The men leave hungry, or Martha leaves empty? Perhaps the men would have heaped praise on Martha for her cooking skills, but Jesus would have pitied her. He would have said, great meal, but man, you could have gained a whole lot more than this. Could it be that we are getting all kinds of praise and affirmation for our accomplishments? And the Lord is saying, oh my goodness, what you're missing. What you're missing. While you're chasing that next affirmation, that next praise, that next raise, that next promotion... Jesus is saying, wow, you are really missing some great stuff. You're missing some incredible stuff. 
This is, is not in your, in your notes, but I want to read it to you before I wrap things up this morning. It's in Luke chapter 12. I call this parable the man who succeeded while, or man who failed while succeeding. Luke chapter 12 verse 16 says, And he told them this parable, The ground of a certain rich man produced good crops. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place for my, to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to myself, You have plenty of goods laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. You fool. This very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? Now notice this last verse in the passage. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. The man who failed while succeeding. You see, anxiety comes because of a distance between me and my Savior. Rest comes when I close that distance. Right? And if I am walking at a distance, wow, life gets exhausting. Anxiety floods my life and takes all the rest out of it. You see, friends, we have a Martha complex, perhaps, going on. Where we say, i got to get all this stuff done. And the Lord say, you know, really, what you really need is to spend some time with me. What we really need to do is relax and sit at my feet. I've got some stuff to tell you. I've got a work to do in your life. And, and as I'm teaching you, and as I am ministering to you, this incredible thing is going to happen. You're going to rest. You're going to rest. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you busy? Are you, are you chasing the to-do list longer? And I know that as soon as you get all that stuff checked off, you're going to settle down and you're going to get quiet and you're going to open your Bible and you're going to experience God and God's going to do some wonderful things. Can I tell you something sarcastically yet probably true? That to-do list is never going to get done. There will always be more stuff added to it. Martha, you're troubled about many things. But Mary has chosen the good thing. And it can't be taken away from her. Martha, you could cook a bad meal. <laughs> but she cannot mess up where she is right now. So what I'm stumping for today is a very simple and I believe life-transforming request. Let's recommit ourselves to Jesus' feet. Let's recommit ourselves to taking that schedule that's jam-packed with stuff we have to do, and we say, this part is for Jesus. And if he wants more of it, he can have it. And he starts crowding out the stuff that is crowding him out.
right? He starts crying because what if we succeed? What if we succeed? I stood in front of a graduating class a year or so ago, just uh, over at Pleasant Valley Baptist Church. I was talking to these seniors, and I said, if you're not careful, you're going to live your life worried about the question, what if I fail? But I want to give you a better question. What if you succeed? Will it matter? What if whatever you're doing is successful? Will it matter? Because to succeed at something that doesn't matter is failure, isn't it? To succeed at something that doesn't really matter is failure. We're all amped up here, aren't we, about the Super Bowl the Chiefs are going to win. We're just waiting for the Patriots or the Chargers to come in. We're all amped up about it. I'll never forget years ago, um, an interviewer was talking to Tom Brady after like his fourth Super Bowl or fifth Super Bowl. And uh, they said, so tell us what it felt like to, to win that Super Bowl. And he said, do you want me to be honest? And he said, yeah. They said, yeah. He said, really the feeling was, is this all there is? Is this it? I I reached the pinnacle of, of my effort, the crowning achievement. Big deal. I won at a sporting event. Big deal. No one's life was saved. <laughs> you know, no one's soul was saved. I love football. I'm not scolding you football fans. I'm one of you. I'm simply saying that we are so busy chasing our tails through this life that time spent at Jesus' feet can get sacrificed and we are sacrificing eternal moments when that happens. Every once in a while, God wants to take a moment of your temporal life and do something that will last forever. And if you allow anxiety over your to-do list to get control of you, all those moments are going to be drawn off and lost. I just believe that the Lord should have the authority to step into your life and say, hey, I need to see you. Come over here. But Lord, I got, well, let's not worry about that. Come over here. Sit at my feet. I got to work on some stuff with you. I got to work on your attitude. You know, I got I to work on some stuff that's coming into you. I've got to work on that. So here's my thesis. Our biggest problems in life are caused by our distance between ourselves and our Savior. And we can work on feeling better while we're distant. And that's just distraction. Or we can close the distance. Jesus invites us to close the distance. Will you take my 21-day challenge? For the next 21 days, say, I won't close my eyes tonight in sleep until I learn at least one thing about God that I didn't know when I woke up this morning. Will you stand with me, please? <clears throat> In case you don't understand the assignment, let me be a little bit more clear. Let me be the professor for a moment. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
I don't mean, oh, Jesus, I didn't know that. I mean, you open up a journal or your journal or however, day one. Today I learned that grace has defeated all of the things I've been feeling guilty about. Day two. Today I learned that God wants me Today, and every day you open up that journal or whatever it is and you look and I think you're going to find God is doing eternal things in temporal moments we're getting ready for a great 2019 right and great things begin at Jesus feet that's where they begin until I can get you there, no greatness can ever come from your life. It's at Jesus' feet. Reach over and put your hand on the person next to you if, if you're all right with that. I'm just going to pray. God, the person who I'm touching needs you. they need more time at your feet. Lord, I pray for him and I pray for her that today the word that has been taught will create a transition in his or her life. That today there's a shift going on. We will no longer serve the temporal. We will serve the eternal. And Lord, there's about to be an explosion of God moments in this year like this person has never had before. There's about to be a multiplication of wisdom and knowledge and understanding like this person has never had before. And Jesus, in your name, I bind everything that would hinder that. I bind every scheme of the devil to try and keep that from happening. Lord, I bind the distractions. I, I, I bind the busyness of their life. I bind it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray now that you would draw us to your feet and help our ears to be attuned we would learn new and incredible things in the days ahead. And Father, if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you as Savior, give them the faith right now to believe in their heart and confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, and in doing so, I know that you are saving them. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I will tell you this. You made that 21-day commitment. Tell someone. If not me, tell someone. Give them permission to hold you accountable. For the next three weeks, you're committed to this. Amen? God bless you. Be real careful out there. See you next week. God bless.